Hi, everyone. Welcome to Soapbox Breakfast, a podcast to get you ready for Rayal Salt Lake game day. And in this case, a little bit before as we're releasing it, either a day before, or the night before, or night and a half before. We'll see when it comes out. Why are we doing that, Matt? Wee, 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 wee. Emergency podcast is why. Emergency podcast. Emergency Sorry. breakfast. Can anyone do the, the English sirens? They sound much cooler. Damn it. I thought That's that rude. was an English siren. I know. I mean, English, like, was that English? Is it, is it like spelled that? different? Like, haha is spelled different in Spanish? or? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> uh, anyway, we're gathered siren. here today. Uh, dear, dearly beloved, we're gathered here today to talk about the departure of Freddy Juarez from Real Salt Lake. The RSL coach has quit, uh, more or less. Uh, all indications <laughs> that he is going to... <laughs> Be an assistant Sorry. coach at Seattle Sounders. Uh, so you may you've probably seen this already if you're a listener of this podcast. Uh, we're going to kind of break it down, but first let's do some brief introductions. Uh, first up, we've got Kyle. Hello. We've got Ian. Hello. And we've got Lucas. Good morning. <laughs> Depending That's on when right. this is Thanks. released. <laughs> Breakfast isn't any time type of a meal. I've, yep. I've been told. As long as you're breaking a fast. Breakfast that for dinner true. Friday night. That there is you go. True. Get your cereal ready. Get the pot on. It's still going to be a little shorter than uh, our hour and a half to two hour off the crossbar episodes. No, no social hour today. So uh, sorry for you uh, social hour heads out there. That's right. But on off the crossbar <laughs> next week, we will be back true to form with spouted nonsense about what we've been up to and what TV shows we've been watching. I just want to hear about your dad's fishing trip. Dude. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Kyle, I grant you special dispensation to talk (laughs) about one minute about the fish. I'll save it for next week because it might, there might, there might end up being some more stuff by then about his trip. Give a teaser at least. Well, he just got the, he just sent that, sent that, over iMessage <laughs> check out this fish <laughs> and I was it's like, gotta Whoa. be like an 800 pound fish or something I don't it's, know it's it's not I, I I don't know how much it weighs but um yeah I'm part of fishing Twitter now so I there are a bunch of fishing know-it-alls in my replies being like this is actually a lean cod uh it's it's actually delicious and not at all ugly and all, no, like just correcting ugly. all these people and being like, oh, you're sa- you're scared to swim in the ocean. Well, do you swim in Alaskan waters 100 meters underneath the sea? Because that's where you would see one. It's like, no. dude, no, I do, on. I do anyway. like how you also unlocked the uh, fishing side of the slack as well. So like everyone's <laughs> right. You're just, thought, you're just a fishing icon now or your dad you is so you are fired up about fishing. I, I, I mean, I'm not surprised. There are people passionate about a lot of things. But yeah, I was... Uh, I was just like, wow, this is a funny picture my dad sent me. And people like that's that's clearly not a dinosaur. That's a fish. I was like, okay, I know. I know that. But anyway. Wow. But now you really know that. Now I really know. All right. So the format of this episode is going to be a little different than usual. Uh, We're going to treat it a little bit like a panel discussion slash roundtable slash people kind of talking, hopefully not over each other too much. Uh, so a little different than uh, Off the Crossbar and a little different from Subbox Breakfast. Uh, so I'm going to kick it off with uh, the most immediate question. And that's what does this mean for Sunday's match against Vancouver? Now, it's also important to note here, uh, Vancouver also just fired their coach. So, so two interims. Has, I'm honestly wondering if someone can find another example 
of two teams both losing their head coach through some mechanism on the same day, two days before each before these two teams play each other. I'm I'm like I was like seeing if I could find an example by loosely Googling some things. Nothing. I am wondering if this is the first time in MLS history, wondering how many times this has happened globally in like major leagues. And I um Please, that's a challenge because I'm genuinely so curious about that. So yeah, RSL versus Vancouver, two interns, um, all aboard the Pablo Mastroeni mustache train, I guess. So, yep. <laughs> I've had a lot of fans are not excited to get on <laughs> because of the mustache or because of him. Because of him, specifically. Yeah. No, like I, the, the I long, agree. like the. Like the OG RSL fans are not super stoked. And I really, I tried to ask Elliot Fall about that today and my audio failed and I got scared. <laughs> so you, th- you think after doing Zoom meetings for so long, we would have it figured out, but apparently no one has it figured out yet. So, <laughs> so yeah. true. I would just like uh, to quickly point out that I am fully on the Master Wendy mustache train. So if you've got issues with that, come at me. Yeah. So riding that train, great mustache, not convinced by his coaching record just by, I mean, I I get why people are concerned also. And and we'll talk about this more as we talk about Freddie, but it's like, he didn't have a great record as head coach for the Rapids. Um, and also like RSL clearly has a habit over the last few coaching, um, regimes. Uh, thank you, Lucas, um, of basically uh, just bringing in the assistant as like the head coach guy and kind of making that the the plan. And I don't think that's going to be the case here, but I don't think it's necessarily not going to be the case here. And I can see why people are concerned about it. But anyway, um, we are considerably better than Vancouver. So I would still expect us to just be able to carry our uh, our f- extremely average form into this one and win. but. Who knows? Maybe, maybe not. It is away. We did beat them away at Rio Tinto pretty badly last time. So, you know, I guess we'll see. And see, I, I imagine that this, I, I imagine that this is like a, this actually could be a very heated match because there's always like the narrative whenever a coach leaves or is fired that mm-hmm. like everyone's got to prove themselves. And Vancouver, this is their second game at home, I think. So not only do they have to prove themselves to their fan base, but they also have to prove themselves to an interim coach and potentially a new coach that's coming in, whatever their timeline is. And you would hope that you would see the same reaction from the RSL players that like, hey, if I want to continue to be the starter, Marcelo Silva, I have to go out and play actual defense. I can't just like slide tackle at the last minute and pray I don't get a red card. Yeah. Yeah, that that is that is curious to see who gets the bigger uh, new coach bump, because I think we had it when we first got Freddie after Petkey. Is that true? I can't remember. It seems like we did. Yeah, we, um, we finished from the West at from a, a weaker position, certainly, mm-hmm. which was a surprise. Yeah. So, I mean, we should win this game. This is a good a chance. Uh, this is a good chance to continue trying to make up points from some of those early uh, home games where we dropped points. We have th- one of the easiest remaining schedules out of teams in the league. I think we're probably the f- fifth or sixth easiest in the league. Um, so, I don't know. I w- Anything less than a, a win is going to be disappointing, but maybe Freddie was... 
maybe this team is way worse than we thought. And that was like the most we were getting out of them. But I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think we should still be able to win this even if uh, Pablo mustache or no mustache is leading this team. All right. So the next question I've got for you three, uh, if you if you think back to when Freddie Juarez came in as interim himself, taking over for Mike Pecky after he was uh, first um, suspended and then fired, we didn't see a big difference during the suspension period. Once he was fired, we saw a twist toward like playing a possession oriented game, um, which some might attribute part of our success to. Uh, that's neither here nor there. What I'm curious, though, is do you think we'll see a difference in the way we set out to play from a high level strategically with Pablo Mascheroni at the helm? And second, do you think we see that this week or do you think it's just way too soon? Uh, Ian, you go first. So I think... Wow, sorry. So I think that like... I think that there's a there's going to be a shift in how they played unless Mastroini changed the way he plays, which he could have in the last five years. But his successful Colorado side was very defensive. They, I think that in 2016, when they went to the Western Conference Final, they only allowed like 20 goals for the whole season, yeah. but they also only scored like 24. So a lot of their wins were one goal, barely lots of shutouts, and then... You know, so I, I would think that that's how he's going to come out and do it. Fortunately or unfortunately, McMath is his man. Like, if you look at that 2016 season, McMath is how they got there. It was the introduction of Tim Howard that kind of pulled some of it apart. So I know a lot of us are excited to see Ochoa back. Hopefully, if nothing else, just to calm down the whirling rumors around what Ochoa is doing. But having a coach who has a defensive leaning and a goalkeeper that he is very comfortable working with we could see the change back to just a lot of bunker, a lot of low lines of confrontation and a lot of hitting on the counter. Lucas go. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's a ton of different options that, that he has. This is a good opportunity to, to change things up. One of them being playing two forwards up top. Um, and, and Wood and Rubin, but I think that's unlikely, especially as, as you guys mentioned, with uh, Dougie Fresh leaving, that does really change that dynamic and what you can do. Because you certainly, it's certainly unlikely that both those players will go a full 90. Now, I think the midfield is, to me, feels like the biggest area of weakness, but I don't know what he would do to immediately change that because it's not an issue of, how the team sets up, it feels more of an issue of quality of player to me. So I think one thing we could see that changes immediately is substitution patterns. But to me, Freddie has kind of started to write that ship a little bit before his departure. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know what, how much can realistically change um, with this team at this point. I mean, it's, it's not, I don't think uh, Pablo is going to try to, make some drastic change to try to place a, a, a different way entirely than what we've seen this whole season so far. But I also don't think we've had a very 
you know, super consistent way of playing so far. I know we like to hit on the counter as much as we can against Colorado, though. I rewatched that game and we we did control like large swaths of that game. But so and, and I think that's a result of what Colorado was giving us. So I think it just really depends on what Vancouver um how they end up coming out against us last time they had some pretty dangerous chances um due to the game just being really wide open and us you know countering and then getting countered on our counter so i don't expect to see like much difference between what we have been seeing with this team i think it's just going to be we take what the other team gives us rather than imposing our will on another team i think that's kind of how this how this side has has been this season and kind of how we've been for a long time. We don't really have a super defined style of play outside of really relying on Aaron Herrera and our right, the right side of our attack. Um, and our, well, not, not as much Donnie Toya on his side, but Aaron Herrera is like one of our, I mean, he is our like main facilitator outside of Albert Rusnak. So outside of focusing on those two guys, it's going to be more of the same in my opinion, maybe as you guys mentioned, earlier subs different subs but i wouldn't expect us to see like a 4-4-2 with our two uh, strikers playing starting i'm not as convinced that like anderson julio couldn't fill the dougie fresh role like he generally plays almost as a second striker when he's on the field anyway so i don't know but i still don't expect any major changes kind of unfortunately i think it'd be fun but whatever all right, so the next question I've got is a, a much broader question. So I want you to put Vancouver out of your mind. Pretend the whole city doesn't exist in a peaceful way, not in like they got taken to heaven like that one city. I don't remember which one it was. The one near Cedar City, is that the one? Yes. Okay. Uh, anyway, so... I have no idea what that reference is. Oh. So I'm going to give you three names, and I want you to pick the the uh, person that you think would be best. Uh, Lucas, I'm going to have you go first, but hear the names. Uh, Jason Kreis, Pablo Mastroeni, or Landon Donovan? Who would you pick as Real Salt Lake coach, all things being equal today? Donovan. Uh, I think... Yeah, I, I think he's he's done well at the Loyal. He's the least experienced of those three, but... You know, two years ago, I was excited about the possibility of Christ coming back and everything he's done since he left RSL has been pretty much a failure. Um, <laughs> as much as that is the disappointment to see, like nothing has gone super well for him. Um, and I think, yeah, the most recent outing with the, uh, the, with the Olympic squad kind of proved that he's lost some of his coaching intuition, maybe. I don't know, but... Um, yeah, I think he'd probably be at the bottom of the list for me. Uh, right now, I think Donovan has a big upside. It raises RSL's profile. He's His inexperience makes me nervous, but yeah, I think he's at the top. Ian? Oh, you're going to make me go second now, huh? That's right. Uh, I was hoping to be the contrarian, but I guess. Uh, I'm actually, I you know, I wanted to lean into the whole master or anything a little bit harder, but I think I'll give that a break for a second. As like totally from like a, I, you know, I haven't watched this week's Ted Lasso, but like totally from like a Ted Lasso, like spirit perspective, I would love to see Christ come back and do it. Not that I think Christ necessarily has proven his ability as uh, Lucas said, but just, I think it's, you know, we, uh, 
I think as a fan base, we have this image of like what RSL means and what RSL should mean. And in the last yeah. five or six years, we've very much separated from that and bringing Christ back in gives us an opportunity to write that ship and say, you know, this is, you know, we talk a lot about the RSL or they talk a lot about the RSL way. Like this is the guy that literally wrote the book on it, or at least wrote the prologue to the book and bringing him back in might light a lot of fires. I don't know if he's the best coach, but I think he's better than Donovan. So I would maybe take it that way. Yeah. I don't know if, if I came into this completely emotionlessly without having any sort of uh, feelings of nostalgia and wanting things to be uh, as they were in which our stadium is full and we don't lose or draw at home even when we don't have the strongest roster. Um, like, okay, in particular, a question I've seen on Twitter. Well, okay, that's I'll save that for Monday, a discussion about the roster. But I would, if, if I went into that, all things equal, I would probably pick Landon Donovan at this exact moment just because of what, of the perceived upside I have. But it's impossible for me to ignore um, how sad I was when Jason left and the thought of getting the, getting the band back together. But I think there's, of course, the other side of that that coin, which is um, sometimes nostalgia can uh, be a little too strong and necessarily not something that's over. It's it's not necessarily positive. And as Lucas mentioned, I think the most concerning thing is for me what happened with the U23s not making the Olympics under Jason Christ. Like that's that was pretty not much not acceptable and i know it's a different thing at the international level you it's it's their player selection everything is different i was disappointed to see how the united states played in those games and if those hadn't happened in the way they did then i'd probably feel a bit differently and if inter miami had if they weren't such a mostly dumpster fire until very recently um maybe I'd feel differently as well. Um, I will always love Jason very much, but like, and, and if I'm faced, if you say, you know, Jason comes back with Javi, Kyle decides to leave UVU after one game. And I guess Nick's still working for the Academy in some capacity and doing Kaye stuff. Then that's a tough thing to turn down because it sounds nice. And I like to feel nice. I, I, just but want, I don't know if that would be the best outcome for the club. I just want to correct something you said there. It is, what did uh, I say? it is David Ochoa's fault that we didn't qualify for the Olympics. <laughs> that's sorry. That's what the internet told me when he made the one-time <laughs> switch is that it is 100% his fault. And yeah. that's why he'll never play for the U S team. So yeah. is that why he's exactly uh, number one. He is the new number one. And, and I'll also mention just like, I mean, that in particular, like, you know, that Olympic run could have gone even worse because Ochoa made some incredible saves the first game against, uh, I think it was Costa Rica that the United States beat one um, zero and Ochoa had like 10 saves that were insanely difficult. Also, Ochoa. We'll see if he's going to be available on Sunday. I'm not convinced he is because a person I talked to at the club said he was almost guaranteed to be called up for a World Cup qualifier. And as Ian shared earlier on Twitter, the roster for Mexico for these upcoming World Cup qualifiers, he wasn't on it. So either he actually is more injured than 
We were told, I guess we'll see what happens on Sunday. Really curious to see if he's on the roster. If he's not, then he actually really might be injured. Um, or maybe, as I like to speculate, going to leave. But who knows? We'll see. All right. So I want to throw one idea out there. Uh, when Jason Christ was in talks with the club uh, in December 2019, before Freddie Juarez was made official, one of the ideas that I had seen floated or more than floated, it was uh, rumored to be uh, part of the plan if Christ were to be hired, uh, would would be uh, Christ at the top, but not taking the head coaching responsibilities. And that would still fall in this case. It would have fallen to Freddie Juarez. And so I'm really curious, could we bring back Jason Christ and have a different head coach? So bringing him back into the organization um, and and leading the soccer operations. A Landon Donovan, to, for example. Yeah, Landon Donovan as head coach, I think, would be a very interesting one. Um, I don't know. That's just a, a thought that comes to mind as something that he has proposed in the past, at least was and, that's, and that proposal is essentially why he wasn't brought back before. Right. Is because at that time, Deloy Hansen presumably didn't want to give Jason Christ that much salary and also probably control over the decisions he would want to make with the roster. If I remember correctly. Well, so Hansen, oh, sorry. Ian. I was going to say, weren't, weren't uh, Elliot and Freddie still interim at that time and kind of, the way it was yes. proposed is that he would be kind of stepping in as like a sporting director alongside or over top of Elliot. Yeah, that was the idea. But, you know, yeah, specifics are a funny thing. It's different. It does feel different now that Elliot has been the gym for a while. But there's also a former Christ player within the organization that has substantial coaching experience at this point, at least at the USL level. Um, I've seen that floated a lot today. I don't know. Thomas and Olave. Thomas and Olave. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it goes back to the like getting the old band back together thing of you just bring up all these old names and see if they work and fit into the organization. But there's also a pretty big risk there of if it doesn't work out, like, and yeah, what do you do. Freddie's an example of that risk, right? Like, by all accounts, he was pretty well loved within the RSL organization, had a lot of success with the Academy. Um, and as you get people moving up to the rank up, up through the ranks. And once you get yourself into the head coaching position of the senior team of a, of an organization, like that's kind of the most dangerous job to have at that point. Um, and that's always the risk when it comes to bringing those people back is like you risk tarnishing the, the legacy that they have with the club. Yeah. It's and, like Lampard and Chelsea. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I, I don't know. Yeah. It, it's, it's really tough to say it, it's, it's a, it's a hard decision. And it, you know, when it, when that does happen, if, if, if you do bring a club legend back and they come back in the coaching capacity, it doesn't work out, whether that be Frank um, at Chelsea or, Anyone else that's really happened, Pirlo at Juventus currently, and like just any of these like beloved legends coming coming to a club, it's maybe it doesn't tarnish them entirely in people's minds, but it's 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 it makes it even harder to move on, I guess, when it the time comes. Um, and I know like Chelsea letting go of Frank Lampard was a really difficult thing for a lot of people at that time, but yeah, I mean, like I don't want to see 
Javier Morales get fired from a head coaching position at Real Salt Lake. Like that wouldn't, that wouldn't be good for anyone. Um, and even the way if that would go deserved, down is yeah. he'd have a year or two to, you know, try to get his feet under him and then fans slowly sh- like the tide turning against him in this long, prolonged dragged out thing of, you know, fans starting to bag Javi out. And that would just be, no, no, no. Emotional wreck. Is what would happen is his contract would have a stipulation about if he didn't coach 25 games, his option wasn't picked up oh. and they would accidentally have him to get sick. And then he would. No one would say a thing about it until it was too late. Yeah. Uh, so he can't go press to the I, I can't go back to that. Drudge, but yeah, some bad memories anyway. here. Yeah, uh, it's, I mean, it's hard. To, it's hard to say, but I, I, I think Matt, these aren't memories. These nostalgia. are all hypotheticals. These yes, are. No. Um, that was totally a hypothetical that I was throwing out there. It's thir- These are future memories. This is what I get for doing a podcast with you three. That's right. <laughs> all right. So the next question I've got for you guys uh, is, I think, a pretty straightforward one. Should RSL hire a permanent head coach before a new owner is in place? And no, Kyle, go. no they good. should not. I didn't think they should have. Well, I mean, as as we've learned more about Freddie's actual departure and what went into that and it not being a firing from RSL, I didn't want them to fire Freddie. Or I, I guess I didn't know. Maybe it wasn't. I didn't want them to fire. I didn't think they would. And it turns out that they probably wouldn't have. Um, I don't think they should necessarily hire someone before an owner comes in. but. I mean, I also think it's going to be hard to f- convince someone that it's a good idea to take this job before a new owner comes in. So um, I don't know if it's more that they should or shouldn't or if they can or couldn't. Like, um, I don't know. It's, it's a tough job yeah. to take. I think for the same reason Freddie left makes it a hard sell for someone else, right? I kind of feel like so. we don't have enough information to give a yes, no to that question because like the league is going to know like, okay, is there a potential group or owner that's like in the works to move towards purchasing. And if not, if there's no one on the horizon, then I feel like they should hire a head coach. It's permanent. But if there's like a couple groups or one specific party, that's kind of on down the line towards taking over real salt Lake, probably want to consult with them or wait until they've closed the deal to make that decision. I mean, it, it kind of feels like going back to what we were talking about with Christ being in a, um, you know, a soccer operations role. That feels like an ownership decision. And maybe Elliot and the league feel comfortable making that call, but you're setting up the organization in a very specific way that a new owner may not like. Yeah. And, that, and that's kind of where I would go is I think, you know, I think Elliot kind of towed the line and said, you know, we're looking for a head coach and we're kind of preparing for it. Which I mean, hopefully they are, but I I don't see, just like I don't see a new owner being announced until after the season is over. If that is the case, I don't definitely don't see a new coach being announced until the end of the season, just in case those two things don't line up to each other, because it's just such a high risk thing where you'd have to be kind of a little bit bonkers as a coach to come sign for a team that doesn't have an owner, but then you'd also have to be really bold as a front office to say we're going to hire this coach and the new owner may come in and be like hey like for whatever reason this is invalid and now we're paying another coach out for x number of years because we just straight canceled their contract yeah yep yeah. it feels like they may want to hire because 
there is uncertainty all around, and the only thing they can do uh, to cement their positions may be proceed yeah. as if things are are in a good place. Yeah, so I'll be very curious myself. Yeah, I guess we'll see. All right, one final question for you guys. Uh, do you think RSL would have been better off if Freddie Juarez remained in place until the end of the season? Hmm. I think it's fair to say that he's received uh, a, a good deal of criticism over the last three or four weeks. Um, some yeah. of that I think is unfa- unfair. Some of that I think is fair. And I don't think that's particularly controversial among like the non-Facebook crowd. Yeah, I mean, that's the strange thing about RSL this season is the team has really outperformed expectations, but it feels like Freddie has sort of underwhelmed as a coach. Um, I don't think anyone is over the moon about Freddie being, you know, a great coach and having taken this team a lot farther than they can go. So, yeah. I guess it like to me, it's like it could really go either way. Like, I don't feel like it was with Petke. It felt like Petke was hurting the team and making them a worse team with Freddie. It feels like he's not maximizing the team, but he's also getting some okay results for a yeah, team. And I think the reason is if, yeah. And I think the reason it feels like he's not maximizing the, is the, uh, maximizing the team is because of how frequently this team has dropped points from winning positions. I think that is the most telling thing about a team not uh, performing to our abilities. Because once you're in a winning position in a game, I mean, obviously things happen and you don't always come out ahead like that. But like, with as consistently as consistently as this team has dropped points, like we don't lose a lot of games big. Um, they were talking about this on the RSL show, but like I, I, th- I think they mentioned we ha- have we lost a game by more than one goal this year. I don't even know. Um, I don't think so. But it's a lot of those games where we were winning and we ended up drawing. Is where it's like okay, we know we have what it takes to be able to be a good team in this league. Um, I just you know, we drop those points. So I don't, if that trend continues throughout this season without Freddie, um, it's probably, it could be, it could be a Freddie and Pablo problem. I don't know. I guess it really just depends on if he really changes much up, which I don't expect him to. And would we be better off? I, I think probably, probably just by the, by the nature of this type of distraction mid season of coach quitting is very different than a coach being fired in my opinion. So I think we probably would be better off with Freddie for the rest of this year, assuming we don't hire someone else. But I don't know; could be wrong. Guess we'll see. I, I kind of, I kind of want to. I kind of think that if you look at it, like if Freddie stays, it kind of just we just stay where we're at, kind of middle of the table, right on the line. We probably make a one game run into the playoffs, and it's over. Like I feel like it's pretty, like that's pretty nailed on. If Pablo sees the rest of the season out, we'll either go to the bottom of the table or well above the playoff line. I don't hmm. see it like flatlining because I think, and again, I'm, I'm going off of the history of him as a coach. I think that he'll change that shape just enough that we're going to hopefully, if nothing else, stop giving up from leap from winning positions. And, or we're just going to dump, we're just going to allow buckets of goals. And so it's either it's going up or it's going down, but I don't see it flatlining with, with, Pablo, where I think we were on a pretty straight trajectory with Freddie. Yeah, because you had a question yeah. you'd like so to. I pose. did want to pose a question to this group. Um, 
Freddie is only the second coach in team history who has ever resigned. Everyone else has been fired. <clears throat> why do you why do you all think that he chose to leave and leave at this time rather than see out the year? I think Sam's article uh, in the Athletic, Sam Stashkol's article, summed it up pretty well. Um, and it really just comes down to this was a hundred percent timing, and I, I, I think. I don't think it should be read more into that. Maybe there are bigger problems. And I know in his article, he also mentioned that people in the club weren't happy with certain results, probably when it comes to those dropping points. But when you see this like perfect storm of, okay, we've got impending potential new ownership here in the next few months, uh, supposedly by the end of 2021 is what we're told. We have Freddie's contract ending at the end of this year with a club option after that. And then you have open vacancies in a very successful organization that is the Seattle Sounders, where there are two high-level people, Craig Weibel and Garth Lagerway, who both worked with Freddie, and ostensibly those two positions being hot items. And you have Freddie, who I'm sure was probably approached at some point by Seattle, or maybe he reached out, whatever. Um, And there's those positions open, and he could probably feel the seat was pretty hot and is like, my future is not guaranteed here by the, at the end of this year. In fact, it's, I would, I would have argued that he was probably not going to be renewed as if, if new ownership came in. Um, so it was either seeing out this ship for the next four months or however many months or go to something that's more solid and get some more of a runway in a position at a club where he's probably more comfortable, quite honestly. Trey was talking about how Freddie just isn't a very like loud-natured guy, and sometimes you kind of need that in a head coaching role, and maybe he just isn't right for that job, and I'm sure Seattle pays well. So I think all those things considered, it probably wasn't too hard of a decision other than just the fact that it's, kind of makes it look like you're bailing on your team a little bit but i mean it is what it is there's uh no loyalty in football as matt always says well and i think if you separate performance from it like it's still this is still a thing that happens like regardless of the team's performance this season i think if i think if you know we're top three top four and given the climate around the team if seattle comes to freddie and says hey we have two assistant positions open he probably still takes it like, because I think if you just look at it, like, you know, being a head coach, as much as we want to glorify the job, is it's just a job. And if you're looking at your current position and you're saying, okay, well, I maybe have a, I, I definitely have a half of a year. I maybe have a year and a half, but I can't guarantee anything beyond that. Yeah. Whereas this other company group team, whatever is coming in and saying, we'll give you, you know, a guaranteed X number of years. It's a lower position, but we'll give you a guaranteed X number of years. Yeah. And, you know, Freddie's always talked about his family and his cats and all that stuff. Like I can see just at any position he's in, that's a very easy choice to make. I yeah. think the only way they make it any easier is if it was a team in Arizona. Like yeah. that's and, really and the only way that makes it any easier. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. And also I'm like, based on everything we know about Freddie, I'm going to go ahead and say a lot of the stuff that comes along with being the head coach of a club is probably his least favorite thing about being a coach. Like having to interact with press, having to do like answer for certain things after every single game. That's probably, I'm going to go ahead and say that's pretty clearly his least favorite thing about being a head coach. I'm like, by all accounts seemed 
sometimes like the most uncomfortable part. So if he gets to go work with players and maybe get himself out of the spotlight a bit, uh, still make good money at a very successful organization in which he is less in the spotlight. That seems like a pretty easy sell for a lot of people. And there are, I mean, it takes a certain type of person to want to be a head coach and maybe it's just, it's just a more comfortable, more like, mentally appeasing and emotionally appeasing situation to be an assistant at Seattle than being the head coach of a club that's still in a lot of turmoil, quite honestly. So yeah, yeah, I don't know. I'm super curious to see if he ever goes back to a head coaching role or a head coaching role within MLS, because you think about, you know, how many press conferences do you see with Hamas and Alave or even, you know, Mark Briggs or uh, Martin Vasquez, you know, like those guys, are the head coach of a team, but they're really not put in blast the way you are Mm -hmm. when you, you know, drop points to Colorado and from leading position. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I wouldn't be surprised if, if that just factors into the decision, because I mean, I, there was that thread. I'm I'm, I'm not going to remember who said it, but um, they were looking forward to hiring someone who, loves coaching and loves working with the players and running training sessions and that type of thing. And like by all accounts, that's what Freddie really excelled at with the Academy. Um, because I mean, you're not under the same spotlight with, uh, you know, Academy players or anything like that. And it seemed like he was really thriving there. And this is a very stressful job to have in a very stressful moment. So, um, yeah, I, I I think for him, I think he absolutely made the right decision. Um, and if he wants to coach in the league again as a head coach, I don't think this takes him out of the running of being a head coach in the future. I mean, how many assistant coaches around MLS right now were former head coaches somewhere else? Like, it's a pretty common thing for head coaches to go to and be an assistant for someone else. Someone else like Jason Christ is doing that right now. Um, so yeah, I, I think, uh, it's certainly, it's, it's, it's a good choice for him, I think. All right. Well, I think this is a great place to wrap up. Uh, thanks for joining us for breakfast today. Uh, Kyle, Ian, Lucas, of course, thank you for, for joining in this little endeavor. Of course. Um, Thanks for having us, Matt. You are (laughs) welcome. This was a very long breakfast, but a very enjoyable one. That's right. It's a scrambler-sized breakfast. This This is definitely a brunch. All right. Sunday's match starts at 8 p.m. Mountain Daylight Time. You can stream it on uh, the KSL TV app. Uh, You can watch it on KMYU. Or if you've got YouTube TV, you can watch it on KMYU there. Uh, Thanks to... Was that Trevor? That was Trevor, wasn't it? Yes. Thanks to Trevor for making that happen. And It was only Trevor. It definitely wasn't anyone else. (laughs) Uh, And of course, if you're out of region, you can watch it on ESPN+. Uh, will be the Vancouver feed as they take the home feed most of the time. Or if you happen to be in Canada, it's on TSN 1 and TSN 4. I have no idea what those things are, but there you go. So again, thanks for joining us for breakfast, and we will see you all very soon.